Welcome to Monday. It is Unleashed, Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund, episode 25 for Monday, October 17th, 2022. One of my go-tos to explain the 49ers' loss, excuses or explanations, an entire 49ers recap. Pool and wigs get new deals. Is there any money left? The Dodgers are done. The NFL in two minutes or more. And one for the road. Who do you root for or against now? Let's go. What's happening? Happy Monday, as happy as your Monday can be. I will help you today, hopefully on your commute in or whenever you choose to listen today, Monday, October 17th, 2022. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast, Unleashed. Listen to me during my day job, weekdays, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., KNBR, 680 in the Bay Area, the big blowtorch, KNBR.com. You can stream us. I, along with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Poppin. You can interact with me any old time, and I'll read the best at John Lund Radio on Twitter. If you are new to the podcast, welcome and thank you. Please spread the word. I appreciate it. Well, a full 49ers a recap today. We go through all the Bay Area sports and more every single day. A bunch of different things that we will get to in a fun fashion. We'll get a bunch of sound and the such. We'll get some guests on as well. We get a ton of good guys uh, during the week as well. Monday gets so busy, I tend to just uh, go over everything. And then as, as the week progresses, check in and I'll get uh, get your guests and I keep them up at John Lund Radio, and I'll keep you up to date on everything that is going on. But thanks. Please spread the word. Please subscribe in all the favorite places that you like to get your podcast. What we do is we'll do a leadoff spot, the big story of the day, a few more stories uh, other than that, and then we'll always close things off with one for the road, something quirky, something fun. And, oh, by the way, on Mondays you're in for a treat because I do the NFL complete with sound and the such and opinion to keep you up to date on everything NFL-wise so you don't have to go anywhere else. And we'll do that in the NFL in two minutes or more. Without further ado, let's get to it. Big story of the day in today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Game because it was real obvious what happened. Uh, we knew going into this game how that team was built. Um, we knew it would have to be a physical game. We knew we'd have to protect the ball. Um, and we didn't want them to get up because of how they're wired to run the ball and things like that. Um, and especially going in a little depleted. Um, we knew we had to come out strong. And um, them going on that first drive all the way down the field, I thought was rough. Then us fumbling having the return for a touchdown to put us in a 14-0 hole um, with those situations, and then losing a number of guys after that. Um, thought we did a good job getting right back, um, but I thought the biggest play in that game was in the second quarter, that third and 13. We finally got them in a long third down, and um, it was I don't know what happened, but um, got free in the middle, and Mariota was allowed to um, scramble for the first down, and then ended up getting seven-point lead um, to go in at halftime. Um, our chances to come out and answer right away. Um, but um, when you put yourself in that hole and you can't, you can't overcome some drops that we missed, I thought. You know, I thought we had a big chance on the second play of the half. The next series up, I had a, thought we had a big chance. I believe that was second and six or second and ten. Um, same thing happened. Um, and then when we turned that over at the end, um, there's just there's no room for error. And that's pretty obvious when um, I talked that way. Um, why they ended up with 40 runs. We had 16. We had three turnovers. They had zero. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. 
I would agree with Kyle Shanahan there that it is pretty explanatory, the 28-14 loss, the 49ers uh, going into Atlanta. But it's how you will describe it, talk about it, think about it, whether it is, and this is a favorite of mine, an excuse or an explanation. The 49ers were missing six starters defensively and pretty important ones at that. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and I don't know what his future is. Aziz Alshire, the linebacker. Jimmy Ward in the, in the secondary. Emmanuel Mosley in the secondary. And lost Shavarius Ward during the game. So seven defensive starters were out. Started the game losing six. Uh, that left Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Talanoa Hofunga. Samson Ebocom as the only starters on this defense. And they came into the league giving up or came into the game giving up 72 yards per game and 2.9 yards per rush. They gave up 82 yards in the first half to the Atlanta Falcons. And you heard Kyle Shanahan say that they knew going into the game this is what Atlanta wanted to do. In fact, this was the offense that the 49ers wanted to run. They wanted to run the ball 40 times and throw it 16 times. They ended up throwing it 41 times and running it 16 times. And in the history of Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy's got a great record as far as wins and losses, but he's only 3-4 and four when he throws the ball more than 40 times in a game. So this is not what you want Jimmy Garoppolo to do. And this is not a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just Jimmy Garoppolo thrives in a comfortable atmosphere, not when he's trying to bring you back from being down. So you decide whether it's an excuse or an explanation that the Falcons wanted to run the ball. We all knew they wanted to run the ball. They run the ball... Uh, coming into the game, Mar- Marcus Mariota hurt, hit his first 13 throws, went 13 for 14. The only one he ditched was a fourth down uh, late in the game, and he threw that one away. So, essentially, he hit every pass he threw. He played perfectly. He played like the number two overall pick, which he was a number of years ago. But you can probably chalk it up because Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, if you've even got those two guys, Atlanta can't run the ball like this, and then you were you had a lack of depth. And so it's either an excuse or an explanation that the 49ers were missing as many defensive starters as they were. And one person may say, well, if they have those guys, they play much better against Atlanta. Duh. But there's another person who says, look, everybody deals with injuries in the NFL. That's what it's all about. It's your depth. It's how you can get through it. Guys have done it. They did it against the Panthers. All true. So it just depends on how you look at it. I look at it as an explanation, whether these they're going to get some of these guys back, hopefully Ward with the groin. Uh, the plantar fasciitis with Armstead, the groin with Nick Bosa. Those guys can all come back. Javon Kinlaw goes on the injured list, which means he has to miss at least four games, and that knee's flaring up again. I don't count on him the rest of the year. Emmanuel Mosley is out. Aziz Alshire, he's a guy that's going to come back. So defensively, can they come back and be what they were? Maybe not completely. I think Emmanuel Mosley is going to be a big loss, especially next week against the Chiefs. We'll get into that as the week progresses. But number one on the list of a few things that you need to know about the 49ers game, excuse or explanation injuries. I call it an explanation. Again, I I go back and forth on these type of things. You'll hear me say this on the podcast a lot. Sometimes it's an excuse. Sometimes it's an explanation. Uh, This time, I think it's an explanation. At John Lund Radio, what do you think? B... Or the second thing here is Kyle Shanahan is 19-6, and six, which is a 760 winner percentage in his career as 49ers head coach when the 49ers win the turnover battle. When they do not, or they're even, Kyle is 23-39. and 39. That's a 371 winning percentage. Turnovers, we talk about them all the time, but the reason we do, it's kind of like talking about the quarterback all the time. You can basically look at a turnover sheet and about 80% of the time get it right on who won. So... Week one against the Bears, minus one turnovers, loss. Week two, beat Seattle, plus three in turnovers. Week three, lose in Denver, minus three in turnovers. 
Rams plus two win. Panthers even one one, but the 49ers turnover. They got a pick six from Emmanuel Mosley, plus seven points. Panthers didn't score in their turnover of the 49ers, so they did get plus seven there. So while it's even in the uh, turnover margin, the 49ers were 7-0 on the scoreboard and minus three against the Falcons lost. So this year, the 49ers, when they win, they're plus five in the turnover battle. When they lose, they're minus seven in the turnover battle. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Don't play sloppy football. We said at the pregame show on KNBR this morning, or yesterday morning, win the turnover battle. Don't play sloppy. Well, sloppy is turnovers. Sloppy is a holding call on Jake Brendel to wipe out a 37-yard gain when you're trying to get it within a touchdown. And that last drive, they didn't show near enough a desperation on that one, but it didn't help that Jake Brendel had the big holding penalty. So penalties, turnovers, we talk about it all the time. Kyle Shanahan, 19-6 and in his career with the 49ers as the head coach when they win the turnover battle. If they're zero or negative in it, they're 23-39. and It's pretty simple. That's the second thing you need to know. Third thing you need to know about the game, simple. I told you, the style of the game. The 49ers had 41 throws and 16 runs. Kyle Shanahan, when he gets 30 or more runs, is 23-2 in his career as 49ers head coach. 23-2. He had 16 runs today, 41 throws. Falcons, conversely, 40 runs, 16 throws. That's exactly what they wanted to do. If they could put a game plan together perfectly for this, this is what the Falcons would do. Run the ball at a depleted 49ers defense. They don't have the guys in the front seven, and especially on the defensive line, to handle it. Uh, they got tired. They had to play too many plays. They got up 14 to nothing, and at that point, they knew they could run it as much as they possibly wanted to. The 49ers, uh, and this is just – it happens sometimes. You don't want Jimmy Garoppolo to have to win you a football game. Sometimes he has to, but that's just the way it goes. So I'll give you the exact number here. Jimmy Garoppolo is 35-16 and 16 overall as a starter in the NFL. That's a 686 winning percentage. When he throws 40 or more passes, he's 3-4, and four, which is a 429. 35 and 16 as a starter, 3 and 4 when he throws 40 or more passes. That's a 429 winning percentage. He was 29 of 41, 296, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and the 49ers ran it 16 times for 50 yards. Falcons, 13 for 14 passing, I told you, 40 for 168 on the ground. They battered the 49ers to death. I saw an article after the game in which people said, is this the blueprint to beat the 49ers? Well, if they're banged up, it is. The Falcons, and we knew this coming in, had a really good offensive line, and they were dedicated to running the football, and they knew with a thin 49ers defense that this is what they could do. This is not the way to do things if you're the 49ers. 49ers actually had more plays, 57 to 56, but the Falcons, because of their running, had the ball for seven minutes more, and the 49ers were already thin on the defense, and then they had more injuries as the game went on. So there's a few things about the game. Now, what you want to know and what I want to know, because anybody can identify the problems. What I try to do on this podcast, right or wrong, is try to identify some solutions. And this is kind of our society in a nutshell. Bitch and moan, bitch and moan, bitch and moan. What's wrong? What's wrong? I don't have a solution. I know what the problems are. I don't have a solution. So some of the solutions are very simple. Get healthy. They need Bosa and Ward back next week. Uh, we hear Trent Williams could be trending towards coming back next week as well. And I didn't talk much about the offensive line, but Mike McGlinchey got hobbled. It looked like a, a turf monster might have got him a calf, and he he left twice, and finally the second time didn't come back. And uh, Daniel Brunskill was out there. Blake Hance was out there. Neither of Mike McGlinchey. 
Jalen Moore's at left tackle. He is definitely not Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the league. So you're down two tackles. You've already got youth and experience in the middle. Uh, I don't stare at the offensive line. I don't know what the pro football focus numbers say about the offensive line, but Jake Brendel makes a lot of mistakes as far as I know because his number is constantly being called in a bad way in critical situations. It's happened for a couple of weeks now. So here was a guy who was in the league for six years and never started. And then you got basically a rookie at right guard and a basically a rookie, even though he's in his second year, he didn't play much as a rookie at left guard. And if people say, well, they're going to be, they're good, they're good, they're good, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. But what happens in three or four or five years when they're in their prime? That's when they're good. That's when they're not thinking. I mean, some rookies come into this league and are absolutely great. Spencer Burford is having good moments and bad moments. That's a rookie. Aaron Banks is having good moments and bad moments. And then you're on your second string tackle. So one of the reasons that the 49ers struggle is they're not. We talk about the defense and all the injuries on the defense. They got a lot of injuries along the offensive line. How did the 49ers win games? Glad you asked. Offensive and defensive line dominance. That's what they do. They beat you in the trenches. And right now, they're missing three of their four starting defensive linemen, and they're um, they're missing their two tackles, and the guys on the interior are learning along the way. That doesn't spell dominance. So one of the solutions, get healthy. Can I do anything about that? Can Kyle do anything about that? No, but that's what needs to happen. It goes back to our excuses versus explanations discussion. Uh, commit to the run no matter what. That's what the Falcons do. They were down 21 to nothing last week in Tampa and just decided to keep running the ball. I think the 49ers need to keep running the ball. They tied the game at 14. They were down 21-14. I understand when you get down 28-14, you can't commit to the run. But And some of this is, yeah, absolutely. You're, fa- you're behind most of the game. 41 throws, I get it. But 41-16, to Kyle Shanahan is not going to win a football game like that. So commit to the run. Next, put Jimmy in a position to succeed. I'm not ripping Jimmy when I say this, but the reason why they went out and got Trey Lance is because they wanted to get a player, a quarterback, at the most important position in sports who could win them a a game when the atmosphere, when the surroundings weren't exactly 100% right. And that's not fair to Jimmy. They don't have to be 100% right, but the defense has to be playing well, and the running game has to be going well, and they need to be in in a rhythm and all these different things. There are quarterbacks in this league, Mahomes, we're going to see him next week, and Josh Allen and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and all these different guys who everything can be breaking down around them, and they just decide, I'm going to win the football game. And that's not Jimmy Garoppolo. And to this point in his career, I'll give it to you, it's not Trey Lance either. But the reason why they traded all those picks and the reason why they wanted Trey Lance was because if Kyle couldn't call the perfect game and if the the running game wasn't going and everybody around Jimmy – has to be really, really good. And if that's not the case, it's hard for the 49ers to win games. I gave you the 40-plus throws, and he's 3-4 and four in his career. They don't want Jimmy throwing at 40. They don't want Jimmy throwing at 35. They want to run the ball, and they want to minimize the pass game, be efficient, come through on third downs, make those dink and dunk plays. It was never more apparent. And again, I'm not ripping Jimmy. But it was never more apparent when they're down 28-14 to 14 and they're still dinking and dunking the ball down the field. Now, part of that is Atlanta's playing a deep zone, and I completely understand that. But Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to consistently make plays down the field. The way the 49ers make plays down the field, even when things are going great, is yards after the catch. Yak! So you have Debo, and you have Ayuk, and you have Kittle, and you have the type of players on this team 
that can make yards after the catch. The play is designed for yards after the catch. So it's not deep balls, although I will say that Ray Ray McLeod had one right on his fingertips, should have caught it. It was a great throw by Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's not really what Ray Ray McLeod does, is it? Now, if that's Ayuk, if that's Debo, they probably come down with it. Ray Ray's really fast. He's just not known to be a great receiver. Did have a great pump return, which set up points for the 49ers. He's got a role on this team. I just don't know if it's deep route runner, but they didn't have Danny Gray available. So they tried, but that's not what they do. They don't go down the field. Jimmy doesn't go down the field. Jimmy is supposed to accurately put it on their hands on a play that Kyle designs so that they can get yards after the catch, but put Jimmy in a position to succeed. And finally, they may have to eventually, if they feel like, and you look at the uh, the NFC West right now, the Rams won today, the Seahawks won today, the Cardinals lost at Seattle. So you got 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams at 3-3. Three and three. You have Cardinals at 2-4. and four. The trade deadline is November 1st. Now, injuries may force them to go get a corner or some defensive line depth or some offensive line. If McGlinchey's down for a while, you probably need to go get a right tackle potentially. You might need to shore up the interior of your defensive line. So you may not be able to go out and get a luxury item. But I think the defense is going to come around. Offensively, I don't know. You know, we hear Christian McCaffrey's name. What would you give up? You still have a number one pick to to give up to Miami because of the Trey Lance trade. So maybe you're not in a position to do this. And maybe a Christian McCaffrey or somebody, you know, an offensive type, big play, spark plug type of guy is not in the cards because you have so many injuries all over the roster that you may need to fill a hole more than you need to go get a, you know, a Ferrari, which is what Christian McCaffrey is. But I'm just thinking of Kyle Shanahan needs his another big offensive weapon. You look over at the Rams, kind of their Cooper Cup, the guy where you scratch your head. Now, Debo is that, no doubt about it. And Elijah Mitchell is going to come back. But another dynamic offensive playmaker, because I think when the defense gets healthy, and I'm throwing out the guys who are on the injured list, when the defense gets healthy, this team is going to be really, really good. I do question what's going to happen offensively. So there you go. There is a quick recap of what happened. Injuries or explanations, sloppy play, the style of the game, and I tried to offer some solutions in there. Buy them or don't at John Lund Radio. That is your leadoff spot next. I see the comments on our future. I'm well aware of what the numbers are, but what I would say to uh, everyone is that uh, that's next season, and this is this season, and we can't play next season now. Uh, If you would ask me a year ago today, if we would be paying Poole and Wiggins this, I would have probably not believed you. So we have to take it year to year, Marcus. I can't evaluate what we're going to do next offseason until we see what happens this season. And whatever it is, it is. And I just know this, that um, there's a huge commitment to winning. There always has been. I imagine there always will be. And um, I'm lucky to be in a group that believes that. Uh, their actions prove it. So we'll see what happens this season and go from there. That is Bob Myers. He's the general manager of the Golden State Warriors, and he answered that question from our good friend Marcus Thompson, who is on our show on KNBR Weekly uh, with Pop and I, 10 to 2 in the Bay Area. Uh, Marcus asked the question of what you do next year, and as an executive of the Golden State Warriors, I would, uh, wouldn't have expected him to answer it any other way. And Let me explain this to you. Jordan Poole got a contract, a new contract, for $140 million, in which $123 million is guaranteed. The Warriors are going to take these things in the order that they have to be dealt with. And you heard Bob Myers say there, 
and because Marcus's question was, do you have any money left over? Essentially, his question was, do you have any money left over for Draymond Green next offseason? That's been the big issue if you're not in the Bay Area around the Warriors. Well, Jordan Poole's deal had to be done because there was a deadline on October 17th, Monday, today. So he signs a new contract. Andrew Wiggins' deal is up. It's not a player option. It's not an opt-out, opt-in, any kind of thing. Andrew Wiggins' deal is up after this year. Andrew Wiggins got a deal of $109 million, and actually it's a team-friendly deal. Don't laugh. It's a team-friendly deal in which he took a pay cut of nearly $10 million a year to stay with the Warriors. He's going to make $33.6 million this year, and then poor guy drops to $24.3 million in the first year of his deal and increases up to 263 in the second year. So he's actually going to save them a few bucks, but that's a great move by Andrew Wiggins, who is finally, I think, realizing his potential. He knows he's in a great situation with Steph Curry. What's a few million bucks? He already signed a massive contract the first time around when he was with Minnesota, and, of course, the Warriors took on that contract when they did the sign-and-trade deal, and they got coming. I mean, that great deal with uh, D'Angelo Russell going to Minnesota. So he signs the $109 million extension, kind of gives the Warriors a little bit of a break. But my point is, and then we'll go on to the tax implications and what it could mean for Draymond Green, but they had to get the deal done for Poole or else they couldn't have negotiated and then he would have been an unrestricted free agent and that could have been potentially a mess. They wanted to keep him. He's a he's the number one piece of their future, proven piece. Now, you may say Kaminga and you may say Wiseman, but they're not proven yet. So as far as young players to build around in the future, it's Jordan Poole, punch or not, this thing had to get done right now. So that was number one as far as pecking order, not as much as, yeah, they wanted to get it done, but th- that's the order of business in which it had to be done. Same thing with Andrew Wiggins. It was order of business in which it had to get done or he would have been an unrestricted free agent. Now, Draymond Green is going to make $25.8 million this season, so he's under contract. And then next season, there's a player option for $27.4 million. Now, what Bob Meyer said there is exactly right. We'll deal with that when we have to. So we had to get these two deals done. We got them done. And now everybody wants to jump to next year's payroll. And in 2023-2024, the Warriors will likely exceed $500 million once the roster is filled, and that is in salary and penalties. Joe Lakeup, the reason why this is a relevant conversation, Joe Lakeup, the majority owner of the Warriors, has said that in no way, shape, or form, he's on the record of saying this to the media, are they going to exceed or, or even get close to, let alone exceed $500 million. And as it looks right now, they will probably exceed $500 million with the 12 players and with Draymond Green opting in at $27.6 million. So salary at $215 million. Tax at $268 million. So without anything else, they're looking at close to $500 million. Again, in which Joe Lakeup said, no way am I doing that. Now, what also Bob Meyer said there is, who knows? Things change. We don't know if, you know, it was a couple of years ago or a year ago. Maybe Joe Lakeup says that's just the cost of business. I remember when it was outrageous to pay a quarterback $20 million or outrageous to pay a starting pitcher $25 or $30 million. Well, those are the norms nowadays. Max Scherzer makes, what is he making his new deal, for, his, his deal that's now a year old, $43 million? I mean, you're going to see guys like Justin Verlander and Jacob deGrom in, on shorter-term deals for different reasons. Verlander's older and deGrom has had some injuries. But those guys are probably going to enter into 45 and $50 million. I mean, we're looking at quarterbacks getting close to $50 million, and we're thinking there's no way that ever would have happened. 
So $500 million in salary and penalties sounds just like a boatload of money. And one of the reasons why Joe Lacob doesn't want to pay it is because he's getting a bunch of grief from other owners. Well, I wouldn't care. You're in business. I mean, what if other b- businesses came to you and said, hey, you're kicking our ass too much, man. you got to slow it down. I'm not slowing anything down. I'm going to win. Too bad. You know, I don't think Mark Cuban would care. I don't think George Steinbrenner, when he was around, would care. I mean, some of the top owners that just want to win, I, I don't think they would care about what the owners think. Al Davis certainly wouldn't. Uh, Eddie DeBartolo certainly wouldn't. Some of the best owners are like, that's your problem, man. If you don't want to spend money, it tells me that you're not as dedicated as I am. So maybe a year from now, $500 million isn't what $500 million is as we're sitting here. I think it is, but maybe it's not. So everyone wants to make some sort of a proclamation or something that, that me- this means that Draymond Green won't be back because they've signed these two guys, and they want these guys more than they want Draymond Green. They came up first in the pecking order. And don't get me wrong, Jordan Poole, if they had to choose, I think they're going to choose Jordan Poole. Uh, if they had to choose, if let's say Draymond and Wiggins were up at the same time, I don't know who they choose. Maybe they choose Wiggins. I mean, he's younger, but he's certainly not as accomplished as what Draymond Green is. So a year from now, we'll get into this. And we'll get into it the entire offseason. And I talked about on a podcast on Friday, I don't know if, if Draymond Green's going to be able to keep his mouth shut the entire year. He has a podcast. He's opinionated. Uh, he's on TNT. He has a lot of outlets to slip. And he's going to make tw- you know he's going to make twenty five point four million dollars or twenty five point eight, and then next year has an option team option for twenty seven point five. And there's a lot of here's the other thing why Bob Myers isn't lying because a lot of times guys are like oh, whatever that, that executive he's lying. Another reason Bob Myers isn't lying. What if Draymond Green just has an amazing season, which I think he will. I think he'd be in- he's going to be incredibly motivated. He's playing for a contract, his last big one. He's going into his age thirty three season. So Draymond Green has a great year, tremendous, wins defensive player of the year, which I think he probably will, stays healthy, they win a championship, then what? You let Draymond Green go? I mean, that's going to be a tough one. I think Draymond Green's going to have a great season. Now, he can make it really easy on you. He gets injured, he has a bad attitude, he's lipping off, no problem. They might trade him at the deadline at that point. Or it could be a situation like Jimmy Garoppolo where you think all season long he's gone and he's back. Or you might think all season long he's back and he's gone. So, you know, we've learned that through the years. Now, I gave you the tax implications. I gave you the money. It could come down to just Joe Lacob saying, nope, I'm not going to pay it. I just don't buy that. He may have said that, but when it comes down to it, he's never shorted the team on money or resources or what they needed. So maybe $500 million isn't $500 million. We're going to talk all season long about whether they have the money for Draymond Green, but what it's going to come down to is, how is Dream, Draymond Green going to play? What is Draymond Green's attitude? How far do the Warriors go? There are a lot of things. It sounds real simple right now. Don't pick up the option. He's going to get traded. Stephen A. said he want, wants to go to the Lakers. All sounds simple right now. We never thought Jimmy Garoppolo would be back. This happens all the time in sports. There is a lot to be written on this book. But I do know this. The Warriors got Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins signed. But we don't know the future of Draymond Green. Next. strike away. Hater to Freeman. He struck it out for the first time in 24 years. The San Diego Padres are headed to the National League Championship Series. Not exactly the way we had it written up. The Padres will play the Phillies in the National League. Yankees are still alive after forcing a game five against the 
Guardians, and the Astros swept the Mariners, and that thing took a long time. What was that, 18 innings? I lost track after a while because there were so many things going on on Saturday night. I do know the Astros in the, are in the ALCS. So we know three of the four teams that are going, and we're waiting on the Yankees and the Guardians. But as far as the Padres and the Dodgers are concerned, and that's the series that I've had the most interest in for obvious reasons. We're sitting in the Bay Area. We don't want the Dodgers to win, and I'm a big Melvin, Bob Melvin fan. So first and foremost, I'm very happy for Bob Melvin, who left the A's, obviously is in a great situation with the Padres. Uh, give it up to the fans. Even if you don't like the Padres at Petco, they were rocking, they were rolling, and they took the Dodgers out. So, uh, I, and I, look, I, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, the starting pitching held up well enough. I, I thought they'd be short a bat without Tatis, but Cronenworth came uh, came through. Uh, Trent Grisham came through in that in that uh, series. So, you know, give it up to him. Now, there's a good and the bad side to this as far as the Dodgers. Obviously, the good side is you're a Giants fan. You don't like the Dodgers. Good, good riddance. You'd rather have the Padres. And if you're a Northern California sports fan, Bob Melvin's a great guy. Even if you haven't haven't met him before, I'm telling you, he's one of the best guys out there. So I'm rooting for him. Uh, 111 wins, though, for the Dodgers and not out of the NLDS. And you're saying to yourself, that's a good thing. Well, it is short-term, but long-term, think about it like this. I think they'll probably non-tender Cody Bellinger. You saw Trace Thompson, Clay's brother, in center field for the majority of that series for the Dodgers, and there's nothing wrong with... Cody Bellinger, so I think they just got to the end of the rope, and Bellinger's a great defensive center fielder, but I just think his bat was so bad ever since being the MVP in baseball in 2019 that they just co- could no longer deal with it in this series. Here's where I get nervous. I think they'll non-tender Bellinger. I think now that they lost in the NLDS, and that's completely unacceptable to them, I think they could overreact, and they need starting pitching. Now I think Clayton Kershaw will come back, and you've already got – Julio Urias, and he's your here's your one. Kershaw's probably your two. Uh, Tony Gonsolin had a great year. Tyler Anderson had a great year. Are those guys going to be able to replicate that? I would think that the Dodgers go out in the starting market, and they've got some guys. Dustin May, I don't know what he's going to be next year. But a guy like Jacob deGrom or Justin Verlander would fit in their plan short term because they're kind of like the Giants in this way. They'll pay you a lot of money, AAV. I should say they're not like the Giants in that way because they haven't proven that. They keep saying they're going to, so we'll see. But as far as the Dodgers, they'll pay you a lot of AAV. They probably just don't want to do it over a number of years. I know they got a kid named Bobby Miller in their minor league system who they're waiting on. So they're waiting on some guys. So I could see them, after getting knocked out of the playoffs in the NLDS by the Padres, overreacting and going and paying Verlander 45 or 50 or going and paying DeGrom 45 or 50. And that's the downside of this thing. All right, let's overreact and spend a bunch of money. That's what the Dodgers could potentially do. Kevin Franson said on our podcast on Friday, go back and listen to that. Franny and I just uh, shot the bull for about 45 minutes on what's going on in baseball, just all across the board, playoffs, offseason, all that kind of stuff. Talked a lot of Giants, too. So go back. That was episode 23. So go back and check that out. But he said on the podcast Friday, and Franny is the uh, TV analyst for the Nationals, but also works for the Phillies, very dialed in, does MLB uh, Network Radio on Sirius on the weekends, very dialed in, former Giant. And he said on the podcast Friday, he thinks that Trey Turner, who is from Florida and has family there, is going to try to go to the Braves. And Dansby Swanson, their current shortstop, goes to the Dodgers. He's really good friends with Freddie Freeman. And you may call that a win because Turner is physically more gifted than Swanson. But Dansby Swanson's one of those glue kind of guys that the Dodgers could use. He's a little bit like Brandon Crawford. He's a better defender than Trey Turner. 
He's got 20-plus home run power. Now, he's not going to run. He's not going to lose it, look as smooth. But he's just one of those guys that pulls your team together. I like Dansby Swanson a lot. And if Swanson goes to the Dodgers and Trey Turner goes to the Braves and you want to address that position because there's so many good shortstops out there, that takes both those guys off the market. So that's a bad thing as well. All I'm simply – and I think, by the way, I think they'll get a starter. The other thing is that we saw their bullpen, and they tried to do the kind of bullpen by committee, by matchups. And that's fine and dandy, and that works during the regular season because baseball now is a math equation. And those math equations, kind of like Vegas, they work out over 162 games. They don't always work out over four games, which is what the Padres beat the Dodgers in. So sometimes you just got to have those guys. Craig Kimbrell wasn't even on that roster in that series. Kenley Jansen, of course, had moved on to the Braves. So I think in the offseason, the Dodgers will probably go out and get a legit type of closer. Uh, Their bullpen, the rest of those arms are good down there. I'm just a little bit nervous that because they got knocked out in an untimely fashion that they'll panic, they'll go spend a bunch of money. One of the top arms will end up there, and potentially you'll get Dansby Swanson there, and they might have to even go after Aaron Judge. They could be that disappointed after I think they won't tender uh, Cody Bellinger. We'll see. Maybe they won't overact at all. Maybe they've even got a limit on their spending. I haven't seen it yet, but if the, by the Dodgers getting knocked out in the NLDS it does make me a little nervous that they'll go and overreact and go crazy. It's time for the NFL in two minutes or more. All right, if you do the podcast, every Monday we do this. We go over the main games so that on, you know, when you get to the office or whatever, when you're talking to people, that you 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 know generally what happened on the NFL on Sunday. Because you're not like me. You can't just sit around and watch stuff all the time. Maybe you have responsibilities. Maybe you have kids in sports. Maybe you have young kids. Maybe you fell asleep. Maybe you're hungover. I don't know your life. I just know this. We do the NFL in about two minutes or more so you can get caught up on everything. Let's start all season. Buffalo just heard about not stopping Patrick Mahomes in that postseason loss to the Chiefs last year, but they did it on Sunday. Mahomes takes as a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield. It is picked off. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Intercepted by the Bills. Picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there, and the Bills have the football. They are celebrating. They're running down to the end zone for the celebration. They pick off Patrick Mahomes. Corner Teron Johnson jumped that Mahomes pass. They sealed the victory, and the Bills beat Kansas City. Josh Allen finished 27 of 40 passing, 329 yards and three touchdowns. He's the MVP so far this season. The Bills are 5-1. The Chiefs, that's the 49ers' next opponent at Levi Stadium next weekend or next Sunday. The Chiefs are 4-2. NFC West games that you need to know about. Seattle topped Arizona 19-9. The Seahawks' rookie class is getting better and better. This time, Kenneth Walker III, who took over for Rashad Penny. They got him in the second round out of Michigan State. Kenneth Walker. Walker with a move through the goal line. Kenneth Walker, and that's a Seahawks touchdown. A week after running for 88 yards and a touchdown on just eight carries, uh, Walker received more work on Sunday, 97 yards on 21 carries. And the other rookie, that is Tariq Woolen, had his fourth consecutive game with an interception only the third time since 2000 that a rookie did that. Seattle beats Arizona 19-9. They're 3-3, three and three, and the Cardinals are 2-4. and four. Speaking of the NFC West, more. The Rams beat the Panthers 24-10 in L.A. The biggest takeaway, Allen Robinson. And this isn't good news for the 49ers. Finally getting acclimated into the Rams' offense. Stafford, Robinson, jump ball, touchdown! 
The Rams are three and three. The Panthers already done. They've made a coaching change. Didn't help. They are one and five. Break up the Jets and former 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala. 27-10 over the pack in Green Bay. The Jets rushed for a very 49ers like 179 yards. The pack only had a total of 278 yards on offense. Yes, Aaron Rodgers played. Brees Hall, rookie out of Iowa State, 20 carries, 116 yards, and this 34-yard touchdown that sealed the win. A trap play inside, and a beauty! Hall running free! Brees Hall inside the 10, he's gonna score! Touchdown, Jets! Jets are four and two, Packers are three and three. The G-Men, I didn't think the Giants were much, but you gotta start taking them seriously in the NFC. Five and one for the first time since 2009 after Sunday's comeback win over the Ravens. And here is rookie Kevon Thibodeau with the strip sack of Lamar Jackson to key the comeback. Dime package on second and 10. Jackson loses the ball, pump free. The ball still rolling around, the Giants jump on it. Thibodeau with the strip. Man, y'all can see my emotions going crazy. We did it, man, we in men life, man, I love it. I'm happy to be here, man, go Big Blue, baby. Brian Dable is the coach of the year right now, five and one, Giants gotta take him seriously, the Ravens and John Harbaugh fall to three and three. Bailey Zappi, the rookie handled his second career start. Uh, eight different targets, 24 of 34, 309 yards and two touchdowns. Bailey Zappi and New England converted seven of 14 third down attempts. Here's a Zappi to Hunter Henry touchdown. Third and one. And he's right on the screws, and here they go. And that is a touchdown, Hunter Henry, wide open. Patriots are three and three. The Browns are two and four. The Vikings improved to five and one with a 24-20 comeback win over the Dolphins, who started three and zero, and because of quarterback injuries, now have dropped three in a row. They're three and three. Tua should be back next week. Kirk Cousins, one of his two touchdown passes in the win. On second down, Cousins look right, left, now throws up the middle, and the catch is made for a touchdown by Adam Thielen. And the Sunday nighter, Philly dominated the Cowboys. They got out early in this one in an NFC East showdown in Philly, and they are still the only NFL undefeated left. Hurts pulls it, throws it to Brown with a step in the secondary. He will score! And that is your NFL in two minutes or more. I think I went a little too far over that time. It's time for one for the road. All right, we're down to four in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Padres and Phillies in the National League. The winner of Yankees, Guardians versus Astros. And I think my, I had a, here's how I did it. I went with my heart and my head. So my heart pick was Mariners and Padres. That one's gone. And baseball's happy because they wouldn't have liked an all-West Coast uh, World Series. The, the Mariners didn't even win a game against the Astros. Two of the three were very close. But they didn't win a game nonetheless. I, I was just kind of pulling on the sentimental strings. They hadn't been in the playoffs since 2001. Uh, the Padres I was more on because I didn't want them to – I didn't want the Dodgers to advance, but I do like, like Bob Melvin, the former A's manager, quite a bit. So that's why I was on the Padres. Uh, so I, I'll take the Padres over the Phillies, which means the Phillies will win. I was shocked that the Phillies beat the Braves. But uh, I'll go Padres just because of the starting pitching in the National League. 
And now I got three teams to deal with. Yankees, Guardians. I think the Yankees will take care of the Guardians at home in a game five versus the Astros. I don't see either of those teams beating the Astros. Uh, maybe it was just that the Mariners were there and the Mariners were probably the weakest team in the American League uh, getting into the playoffs. But the Astros are a machine. They won 105 games. It doesn't really matter who goes, who stays. Jeremy Pena is the shortstop that hit the 18th inning home run to win the game in Seattle and have them advance to the ALCS. That was Carlos Correa's position. They don't care. Uh, Garrett Cole leaves. They don't care. George Springer leaves. They don't care. <laughs> Carlos Correa leaves. They don't care. They just win, and that's what they do. So I think it's going to be Astros-Padres in the World Series, which means it's going to be Phillies-Yankees, but that's what I've got so far. And that is one for the road. And that is episode 25 of Unleashed, Barry's Sports Talk with me, John Lund. Remember, my day job can be our radio 10 to 2 Pacific time. I'll be on tomorrow with Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers. I'm on every day, so make sure you check us out. KMBR 680 in the Bay Area or KMBR.com. You can stream us. Remember, the podcast Unleashed with me, John Lund, drops every morning, weekdays, so make sure that you're taking it to work or using it, telling friends, subscribing, all those kind of things. It's available where all your podcasts are. Interact with the show at John Lund Radio. That is episode 25, Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, for Monday, October 17th, on the Locked On Podcast Network.